We live in the age of technology overload. We are always on, always reachable. Rarely do we get to experience the joy of solitude or the respite of nature. I'm John Staff, the founder and CEO of Getaway. We're on a mission to give people the time, space, and permission to be off. If you've been on a getaway, you might have wondered how your cabin got the name Lorraine or Agnes or Walter. The answer is that all of our cabin names come from our grandparents or the grandparents of our guests. Today, the episode's about grandparents, and I'm thinking about my own as a result. Uh, my mom comes from a family of six. Her dad was Gene, Grandpa Gene. I think about him a lot. He passed a few years ago, but part of the incredible part of his story and my mom's story is that her mom, for lots of reasons, but I think sadly including mental illness, left the family when my mom was 16, right after my mom had, had been married and had a kid at 16 years old. And I remember my mom talking about the admiration she had for her dad in that moment, keeping the family together. In her words, a lot of men, a lot of dads at that time in the, in the 70s in northern Minnesota would have left their kids, would have put them into foster care. Now, I, I don't know how, that, how true that is, but that's her perspective. He didn't do that. In fact, he rallied to keep the family together. And so a lot of my memories of childhood are going over to his house in the small town, Leonard, Minnesota, 54 people, and having picnics on his lawn and playing croquet and rolling down his big hill. And he was such an anchor for the family uh, one of those guys that everybody gravitates towards and kept that family together in a way that has made a lasting impression. And now, you know, with him gone, his influence is still felt. His sons and daughters, his grandkids, uh, extended family beyond that, all remember Gene and remember him for that. And his values, while he is gone, really do live on in the family. And I think about the influence of that how somebody that now a lot of the family has never met are being shaped and formed by his choices and his values and the way he chose to live his life. Grandparents are a lot of things, but in part they are directly who we are. And that's what this episode is about. Today we're going to share some of the stories of these namesakes with you. But before doing that, I wanted to offer a little explanation of why we chose to do this in the first place. The first reason is, it's hard to come up with names that aren't hokey. We thought, should we name them all after trees? Should we name them all after famous explorers? And we couldn't get over how uh, lame that seemed. I wanted the cabin names to have some soul to them, to make them feel personal, because to me, our cabins are meant to unlock very personal experiences. I also wanted to capture timelessness, simplicity, and familiarity. And finally, it dawned on us. We wanted going to a getaway cabin to feel as comfortable and as safe as going to Grandma and Grandpa's house. I was trying to avoid being hokey, but I didn't anticipate how meaningful it would be to share and learn the stories of all the people behind those cabin names. We named the first cabin Ovita, after our then-intern's grandmother. Now, before we launch a new batch of cabins, we come together as a team and tell the stories of the grandparents that have newly minted namesake cabins. Today, we're sharing a few of those stories with you. Amy, our head of content and a producer on this podcast, will kick us off. So when you start working at Getaway, you fill out your uh, 
standard like new employee uh, questionnaire. But the non-standard part of it is you're supposed to write all the names of uh, your grandparents or grandparents in your life. So I'm lucky enough to have three of my grandparents are captured across the country. My grandma Betty is in uh, Getaway Chattahoochee. My grandpa Yale is coming soon to Getaway Mill Adams outside of Portland. And um, my grandpa Shia, um, which is this Polish name, is in uh, Getaway Piney Woods. The story of the people that I really want to tell are my parents, who are grandparents, who are at um, Getaway Big Bear. Um, Growing up when we were younger, we used to go to Big Bear every summer. Uh, as a whole family, there were 14 of us that would go. And it was this like great tradition that we would have. My parents are um, Debbie and Howard, and they are right next to each other at Getaway Big Bear and their cabins for four. So families can go and stay in them, which is really sweet because um, I'm very close to my parents and they just have fostered within me just a really deep sense of family and of connection and I think what family means in like a really beautiful context and how that, you know, encapsulates our chosen family and, um, and like just a really amazing sense of like unconditional love. You know, if my, I feel like if my mom could request something of her cabin, her grandparent cabin, the Debbie, it would be that it would be like stocked with baked goods all the time. Cause she's somebody who just like, she, when my sister and I moved out of the house, like got a second freezer so that she could always have baked goods stocked. She like goes to the doctor and brings them cookies, goes to the dentist and brings them brownies. If she happens to be home when the mailman passes by, he's going to have like a loaf of uh, banana bread. I could guarantee you if we called her right this moment and I asked her how many baked goods she had in her freezer, she wouldn't even be able to tell you the number. It's too many. Um, So that would be her, her wish, I think. Uh, if she got to feed everybody that would go to every getaway, I think that would be like her at her happiest. She's truly like a, just a quintessential, like happy Jewish mother. I'm Afshan. I'm on the marketing team. Um, heading up all things growth. I am very fortunate to have four cabins named after my grandparents, uh, Mansoor, Shabanu, Jarina, and Sultan. Kind of tough explaining to your grandparents what it means when there's a cabin named after you, uh, especially for my grandparents in India. Well, Shabanu is the one that I've known the most. Uh, She lives with my parents now in Atlanta and like has spent the last like decade there. Um, after like most of my family like moved over from India. So she's the most like loving, sweet woman who just like loves taking care of me. And when we FaceTime all the time and her English is pretty bad, <laughs> but she always ends every call with, I love you and I miss you. And I always want to tear up whenever she says that because it's just the cutest thing. And that kind of consistency and love is so amazing to like have from a grandparent here. Um, and she's probably one of the few people that I can just joke around with so much. And then my grandparents, um, like Drina's my grandmother on my mom's side, and she's in India along with Sultan, my grandfather there. Uh, they live in like a tiny town uh, that like I have to like fly from Hyderabad to a, another town and then drive four hours to get to where they are. So it's quite the trip, um, but it's the most peaceful, serene experience. When I'm with them, it reminds me to just slow down. Um, like, for example, in the mornings, which I'm looking forward to, like, 
we'll wake up with the sunrise and my grandfather and I will just take a walk around the town and sometimes his buddies join and uh, they always end with grabbing like a tea in the morning but it's like just a very lovely way to start my day and kind of sets a tone for how I want the rest of the day to go so being mindful about uh, how I'm taking care of myself and just being so much more observant than I would be because I'm also in an environment that I've gone to a handful of times in my life uh, which I really enjoy. The, the commute's brutal, but it's worth it. My grandfather always does a four-hour drive to pick me up at the airport, and then he always has, like, ten coconuts waiting for me because he knows how much I love them, or we'll just make multiple pit stops, and, you know, he'll find a guy with a cart and a machete to just, like, pop those open. He will literally haul them into his car and just have them waiting, like, makes my trip. And it's probably why I love coconut water now so much. Not necessarily just because of the taste, which is fine, but thinking about all the times it's been like 100 degrees there and my grandfather's like hauling them to like get me them from like when I was a child. I think one of the, one of my favorite things that came out of this was learning more about Mansoor, my grandfather who passed away before I was born. Um, and he was someone that we didn't necessarily talk about too much. I think even in Indian culture, it's like, yep, you know, he's your grandfather, that's it. Uh, but when I found out I was, a, I was having a cabin named after him, it kind of gave me the opportunity to ask everyone more about him, where I was like, I would really love to learn about this guy. You know, I knew he was a super hard worker. He had this glasses store. Uh, he really set the foundation for his, like, five sons and daughter to, like, have a great life. And um, I just didn't know too much about him besides having a couple of photos. So having this almost excuse to, like, really push everyone, I learned so much about him, like his love for photography and that he would read uh, mystery novels every night before going to bed. And things were... It just added this, like, level of personality that went from, like, stoic old Indian man to just, like, this amazing guy who everyone really looked up to and was, like, a community leader and hearing about, like, the things that his family went through during, like, political unrest in the 1940s in India, which defined his career trajectory, which defined how my family evolved and, like, what they, where they ended up living and what they ended up doing. It was incredible. Hi, I'm Lisa, and I grew up in Michigan, so I identify myself as a Midwesterner. My grandma, Dolores, um, who was my mom's mom, uh, and she passed away in 2013, um, but I just have so many fond memories with her because she was this really amazing, quirky woman who had a hard life, but it never showed, at least from my perspective as a child. Um, and she, she never had her driver's license, so she just rode her bicycle everywhere, um, including to the grocery store uh, to get her own Christmas tree one time and rode a Christmas tree back to her apartment in the middle of a snowstorm. But I think it's really fitting that she ended up being placed in Portland because I just think of it as being this wonderful outdoorsy place, and she was such an outdoorsy woman that... And, you know, if she were still with us, um, I think she would be excited and proud to have a cabin in that location. You know, Getaway is providing this very specific experience, which is to reconnect with nature and reconnect with the outdoors. And that's so much of what my grandma kind of stood for. Um, not in a hard line way. It wasn't like she was always touting that people had to go outdoors, but it was just something that was such a big part of her life. Um, so to have a cabin named after her um, in a way that represents our values and her values, um, it's sort of like the people who stay in that cabin 
are living out my grandmother's values in a way, um, which I think is really special. There is one more thing that um, is always top of mind about um, like some one of the last moments I had with my grandma because she suffered from dementia for the last four or five years. So eventually her, you know, memory of me and memories in general just started to fade away. Um, but in the last year or so when she was really mentally with it, we took a vacation together to Grand Cayman to visit one of her sons. And she was napping on the couch um, and just kind of woke up suddenly and started laughing. And I asked her what was going on. And she said that she was dreaming of a marching band. And then she had this little quip where she said, my dreams have always been so loud. And that was something that was like meaningful to me on multiple levels. Just the idea of dreaming loudly, something that resonated with me on a personal level where it's like, yeah, my dreams are loud too. But then... um, this, you know, other kind of secondary meaning of just kind of having this big life. Um, and that's just something that I think of when I think of Dolores having a big life. When we reflect on our grandparents, we're really reflecting upon the legacies that lead directly to us. Evan was kind enough to share his family's incredible story with the team and I a few months ago when we opened Getaway Catskills East. His grandparents are Holocaust survivors. It's never easy to hear or share stories like those of Sima and Moisha, Evan's grandparents, but it is so important. I'll let Evan take it from here. My name is Evan Goldfein. I was lucky enough to be honored with four cabins in our uh, new outpost in the Catskills, named after my family members. Uh, They're named after my mother's parents, Sima and Moisha, and my children, Eli and Nina. This brought me to thinking about how values are transmitted over the generations, and this is really uh, how I've thought about my grandparents. Uh, You know, they, they were immigrants, and I wanted to share a little bit of that story. So as I'm thinking about the generations between my grandparents and my children, uh, I was reminded about the Jewish value of Lador Vador, which is uh, something that's in the Jewish texts and is spoken of in different points of the of the year, uh, notably at the Passover table, but also in the in the regular uh, liturgy that's recited on Sabbath. So I'll read a little bit of Hebrew for for you there, and it goes uh, like. This Lador Vador Nagid Gadlacha Unetzach Netzachim Kedusharka Nachdish Vishivrachra Elohenu Mipinu Lo Yamush Leolam Vaed. From generation to generation, we will declare your greatness and for all eternity proclaim your holiness. Your praise, O God, shall never depart from our lips. And this is uh, a prayer that resonates through the difficulties, uh, to put it lightly, that the Jews have had over the generations. My grandparents, Moisha and Sima, were born uh, in Poland, uh, what's now Poland, in the early 20th century, uh, which was a, a, not a great time to be born a Jew uh, there. When my grandmother was uh, in her early teens, uh, she and her family were moved from the town of Nowomiasta, Poland, uh, to a concentration camp several hundred miles from their, their home. When they arrived there, most people died on on the first day of their arrival. They were let out of the train. Uh, They were often met with a uh, a Nazi doctor. The most famous of them is Joseph Mengele, who would decide who would go on what side. Uh, You were either going to be immediately sent to the gas chambers or you were going to be sent for work. My grandmother, Sima, and her sister, Bella, 
Balchula in, uh, in Yiddish, were selected to survive, or they worked, uh, and the rest of her family died that first day. Sima and, and Balchula worked in the laundries uh, of the camp and survived cleaning the uniforms of the people who had died or were otherwise murdered at the camp. They lived there for over a year, and they were transferred towards the end of the war uh, to a labor camp in Czechoslovakia. Upon that time, there was a liberation, and they were uh, let go, uh, and they were able to travel back to their hometown of Nova Miasta, Poland. And when they arrived there, they were not welcomed by the locals. Uh, there was a different family living in their house. Uh, their neighbors were mostly dead. They were just looking for people who they knew. There was no one there to, 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 for them to be with. Uh, the locals threw stones at them and said things like, we thought we had killed all of you. We thought you were all gone. They left uh, there and, and found their way to an American relocation camp uh, in a town called Bachnang, Germany. And there, Sima met my grandfather, Moisha. Moisha's story is a little bit different. He was uh, born and raised in a town called Felstein, Poland. It was a little bit more cosmopolitan than, uh, than Nova Miasta was. Moisha was planning on being a dentist. His father, Pinchas, was uh, a local rabbi in town, a very severe man from, from what I heard. And Moisha and his brother Avram uh, managed to escape the town before the Einsatzgruppen, who were the Nazi marauding SS forces, who would go to town, uh, came to Felstein. Often uh, what would happen was that the Einsatzgruppen would have the Jews dig their own graves, uh, shoot the, uh, the Jews, they would fall into the graves. Some would survive through that and make their way out, not many. Uh, and then they, the townspeople would, would bury them in a mass grave. Avram and Moshe were not in town that day. They had escaped. The rest of their family was murdered on that day probably in 1943 or 1942. Moshe and Avram lived in the woods as resistance fighters for the next few years before they made their way to Bachnang, Germany, where after a few weeks of knowing one another, uh, Moshe and Sima got married. So there were four people left from these two families. Moshe and Avram on my, my mother's father's side, I guess, that, that's, that's my mother's father, Moshe, and on my mother's, si- mother's mother's side, Sima and Balchula. Avram decided he wanted to make his way to Israel, so he did, and the three remaining waited and got sponsorship from uh, distant cousins in New Jersey, uh, who sponsored their uh, trip to America. It took about a year and a half for them to be able to, to make it, and the three of them came to the United States, and they, you know, they lived together, and they shared a bed in America, which I find, you know, among the other kind of wild details of, of their story. Uh, until they built up enough money and uh, they were working in their New Jersey relative's corner store selling ice cream and coffee in like a 1950s shop. My grandfather uh, learned the business and uh, Maisha and Sima made their own store first in northern New Jersey and then uh, in a town called Hewlett, New York on Long Island where they lived for the next uh, 30 years or so. Maisha and Sima had three children. Phil, the oldest, my mother Esther was in the middle and Frida was their youngest. And I am the oldest grandchild, uh, born in 1978, from that family. And they grew up and they made a life together. This was an American kind of success story. From running a corner shop, my grandfather 
saved his pennies and bought AT&T stock, and that's the thing that they used to pay for the tuition for their kids. And, you know, I grew up as a suburban New Jersey kid. My cousins, uh, Phil and Frida's children, grew up in California as suburban kids. And this was sort of the American dream. When I think about the people, the descendants of Sima and Bella and Avram and Moisha, these people who made it out of Europe, you know, by the skin of their teeth. You know, the, the generations were two generations through and now three generations through when I think about my children. These are physicians, attorneys, leaders in, uh, my, my wife's a psychologist. Um, you know, my, these, are, these are people who are leaders in the business world. They're rabble-rousers, they're politicians. They're, you know, this is a, a rich and robust group of real Americans who had their chance to thrive here. When I think about the stories of refugees that I hear, I think of myself as a descendant of refugees. So the stories, when I hear refugees being demonized in the press and how they're going to be unable to assimilate or they're not going to, you know, fit into American culture, it rings untrue. Uh, and, and it's something that I take pretty seriously. I'll tell one last story. So Esther, my mother, died in 2009. She was still in her 50s. And Bella was at the funeral and she took me by the hand, and she said something to me like, you have to live your life. You have to live your life with this kind of stoicism about her, uh, perseverance, uh, uh, looking straight forward. And I thought about this a lot, because the other part of the story in Auschwitz was that her mother could have survived. She knows the very last moment that she saw her mother, but there were... Th- there was a youngest brother in that family named Banish, who is, uh, I'm named after with my Hebrew name. He was four years old when brought to the camp. And Banish was crying when he had to go on the line. And Bella's mother left with Banish to go on the line on her own election because she didn't want Banish to be scared in his last moments alive. My great-grandmother, she said to Sima and she said to Bella, Sima, you take care of your younger sister, Bella. You take care of her. And she did. You know, there wasn't a lot of food, but Bella still speaks about how she complained to Sima about being hungry, and Sima would give her extra slices of bread, you know, and, and you know, they, they suffered immensely. But when I think about them as they were grandparents, they were the most gentle and loving and warm people I've ever known. They were really inspiring to me. I think they passed along the best of their values, and, and the story is unbelievable when we think of the choices that we're often asked to make ourselves, they seem sort of trivial. It doesn't mean that our lives are, have less meaning or less consequence, but to have to have survived through that in order to be able to have the ability to have their own sort of standard life that we've wanted for ourselves um, is something that I carry with me every day. How do values pass from generation to generation in the way that we're asked to in the, in the Hebrew bit that I've shared before? It's really all of us in between. They're never going to know Moshe and Sima, my children. It's nice to have them sort of um, metaphorically next to each other in the, in the getaway campground. But I think it also speaks to the transience of our lives. And I think that there's something ancient to that in the storytelling that we have and how the storytelling has been done around the campfire for generations. 
I think about John Staff, the, our founder uh, at Getaway. He's John Staff the fifth. The lives are so far away. The only connections to them are the people in between who we sort of know and sort of don't. And I think the best that we can do through our lives is try to take the whole of these people that create our own personalities and give the best that we can to the kids. I hope by sharing this story, which is not an easy story to tell or to listen to, is that some people can integrate that, some of these values, some the story of their perseverance, their stoicism, and their ability to move along in their lives, to carry along with them as a source of strength. This week, let's all try to dig a little deeper into our own family histories. Ask an aunt, an uncle, or a grandparent to tell you about one of your ancestors you didn't have a chance to meet. It can be hard to start these conversations, so use me as your excuse. Tell them John from Getaway assigned you to learn more about your family and see where the conversation goes. And if you're ready to book your own getaway, go to our site and enter the promo code GRANDPARENT at checkout for $20 off your stay. You can listen to The Getaway Podcast and subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and anywhere else you listen. We'll be back next week with another new episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen.